Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. From the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn, and joining me remotely from his recovery room, better known as the comfort of his beautiful, wonderful house, it's Simon Provan, fresh off surgery. Simon, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, Baxter. It's it's good to be quasi-back. Yes. Uh, it's been a know, little quiet so- without you the last couple of days. Well, but you've been doing a great job, a lot of, lot of great guests, and, uh, you know, love the mix the variety of guests that you've had on in, in my absence. So. Oh, I appreciate I it. Like, yeah, like I always say, when you're not on the show, I feel like I have to just like overload with guests to make up for the fact of you not <laughs> being on the show. Just be like, there's too much Simon missing, so I just need to load up with as many guests as possible. Well, I appreciate that, but you always do a great job, well, whether I'm there or not. So. Well, thank you. I know a lot of people were, were curious to know how you were faring, so it'd be great to get a little bit of an update if you can for us. Yeah, you know how it goes with surgeries. The first couple hours afterwards, it's like, hey, this isn't so bad. <laughs> and then once all the uh, numbing medicine wears off, you go, oh, wait, yes, this is bad. So oh, I, no. I had actually... No, no, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always call it a linguine hernia because I can't remember what it's actually called. Um, but the one near the groin area. But then I also had a herniated belly button. So two two surgeries in one, you know, a great wow. deal to end here. Yeah, um, right. It sounds it, like a, just a, a real... <laughs> real piece of cake there basically for you just to wrap up your year yeah so uh but you know had my deductible met and out of pocket met so i might as well get those surgeries out of the way <laughs> might as well at this point yeah exactly that's that's pretty awesome well, simon we've got a good show uh i'm glad to have you back uh, we're going to be joined in the second segment by fox Sports' rob stone uh, he's going to help us chat a little bit about who we think bruce arena is going to call into the january men's national team camp rumor is simon it's going to be a lot of mls players <laughs> Uh, so we'll have to see where is that music coming from. Wow! I don't know. I have, I, I just about to get a groovy beat there, My Baxter. Goodness. I was I was going to try wow. to uh, you know loosen up the muscles here I a little so bit and start sorry, dancing. Everybody. I was like, music is playing and I don't know where it's coming from. I think uh, I think my phone went rogue on me there for a second. I, wow! I, I, I think it was just celebrating the fact that we're talking about a January yes, camp. That's yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I feel like it's going to be one of those shows today, Simon. I swear, it's been already been kind of an interesting morning for back and forth for all of us. But uh, hopefully, hopefully nothing else goes rogue on us. But yes, uh, men's national team camp right around the corner. Rob Stone will be here in the second segment, and then uh, Brian Harris of the Kansas City Comments is going to be here to join us uh, as well. Our second uh, official MASL team uh, to join us, aside from the Milwaukee Wave. So they're in the same division too. So that'll be cool to hear from arrival of the wave, uh, especially there coming up in the third segment. But, uh, of course, we want to remind all of you that you can find us live Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time right here on Spreaker.com. Uh, you can also find the show by going uh, to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, as well. Simon, are you good enough to tell people where to find us on social media? I am, I am, yeah. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in 2upfront, the number 2, in the uh, search bar there. And do us a great favor and give us a like. We're at about 570. I don't know if we can get to 600 by the end of the year, Baxter, but that, that would be, be awesome pretty if swell. We could, if we yeah. could. Uh, you know, we've got hats now, so maybe uh, maybe for, for number 600 we, we throw in a hat with that T-shirt. Um, uh, what else? Twitter. We're on Twitter. Again, the number two, at 2UpFrontSoccer. 
And of course, I, I haven't been on Twitter much myself, but when I am and not uh, recovering from surgery, I'm <laughs> at Simon Provan and uh, you're at Baxter Colburn. That is correct. That is correct. All right, Simon, a couple of fun things we want to talk about here in the kick around, which is brought to you by Too Much Metal for One Hand. Um, well, there's a couple of places we could go. First, let's start with your Portland Timbers first, Simon, just because yeah. I know that's the closest to home for you. Uh, Darlington, Nagby to Celtic. Will it happen? I, yes, maybe? It, I, I think it's going to happen, Baxter. Word is is that uh, they're offering $3.7 million wow. for Darlington, Nagby. Um, there was uh, already headlines in the, the, the Scotland's Sun paper. It says, uh, Merry Christmas, Darling, is what the uh, headline was for them. <laughs> Um, he's been over there to watch Champion League games, so I think you can pretty much mark this one up to a done deal. Yeah, um, I would so. have to. I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, and, and to be honest, I think uh, a change of scenery might be good for Nagby. He, I think, on a lot of accounts, underperformed. And the music's back. See, again. now we're celebrating Nagby. Nagby's it's, leaving. It's, it's More good. music. I don't know yeah. what the heck. Oh my god. No, I think you're. I think you're right, Baxter. He uh, listen. He produces when he's on the field, but. He doesn't. He doesn't have the. Doesn't always seem to have the players around him that know how to work off of him. And exactly. and at times too, you know, he gets in his own head and gets in his own way. Uh, he so does, maybe yeah. going to to a more. I don't know if you can call the Scottish Premier League a more high pressured league. Um, because that, yeah, that's, so an, between, that's, that's you know, an interesting. Rangers, but yeah, that's an interesting argument. I think some some may or may not make be like, well, he has the opportunity to play Champions League, which he doesn't in MLS. Right, so right, I could exactly. see the reasoning behind that. Yeah, that, I think that that's the big thing is is him being able to play Champions League. Yes, yep, I agree with you on that one. Uh, another player too, Simon, that is continuing on with his career is Will Johnson. Uh, he decided he wanted to play the free agent market following uh, Toronto FC's loss in MLS Cup 2016, and it looks like he's going to be reuniting with uh, his former coach Jason Christ uh, at Orlando City. Do you like this move by Johnson? Yeah, you know it's interesting. Johnson's only 29, but you know l- let's face it, he was more of a uh, substitute player for TFC, and I think that yes. surprised him a little bit. Um, he wants to go to a place where maybe he gets more playing time, but Baxter, I think he's going to find playing time in Orlando also difficult. You know, you, you've got a number of midfielders, of course, led by Kaká, but then you also have Carlos Rivas, Kevin Molino, Higuada, uh, Breck Shea, all playing in that midfield. So I don't know where Will Johnson fits into that. It's going to be tough for him down there, but I think the big impetus for him really um, is being able to play under Jason Kreiss again. And I would agree with you on that one, too. Will Johnson has been, um, I guess, one of the staples in Major League Soccer the last several seasons. I, I, I didn't realize that he was 29 years old. I thought for some reason he was older, but uh, maybe just because he's been a little bit of a journeyman the last several years, that's why I think maybe he seems older than he actually is. I think Will's a good guy to have coming off the bench for you, but you're right, though. It's a pretty busy midfield down there in Orlando, but... I don't necessarily know if Will's going because he thinks he's going to get a lot of playing time as much as he just wants to be back around Jason Christ, who he had a lot of success with at Real Salt Lake back in the day. Yeah, yeah you know, it's interesting because he, he did say he wants to win one more trophy before he hangs up the boots. First of all, to be talking like that when you're 29 is a little bit surprising to me. Um, well, but Steve but Newman just retired all, today, the former uh, Revolution player. He retired at oh, 25. Right? Th- yeah, retired at 25 today, which is, I, in my opinion, very surprising. A guy that had a lot of talent, but um, I haven't seen the full reason why he retired. But that's a whole other topic. Yeah, you, you almost wonder. It is, but you almost wonder if it's if it's another money thing. You know, I mean, it might be. Th- these guys in MLS still aren't making wages that are going to set them up for life. With you know, of course, there's a, there's a few exceptions to that, but but you know, a lot, a lot of these younger guys are, are looking at the difference between a, a, a lifelong career in something outside of soccer or getting behind in your years of, of trying to start another career after soccer where, you know, they're still only making $70,000. Now, I would love to play soccer for $70,000, Baxter, but, but yeah. when you're talking about yeah. trying to take care of your kids, you know, for life, that's that's not going to cut it. And, uh, you know, a professional career on average is only three years. So, Which is a little surprising, yeah, and I think that... Um yeah, it's it's interesting too because you you hear about the uh, the wage disputes in MLS and then in the NWSL also, and I bet you there's a ton of NWSL players that would kill to be making seventy thousand dollars a year instead of right, you know, right, because a lot of yeah. those ladies are either single or just have a, a boyfriend or a husband or or a wife rather at times, and they don't have to worry about the whole kid aspect of things. So there's not a lot. I think I think I saw that there was 
including Jess McDonald, there were three total moms that played last season, I think, in Westell. I could be wrong about that number, but I think there was only three total. So the family aspect of it, like you were saying, not as not as prominent uh, in the NWSL, but still, 70 grand a year, bare minimum, would be great, I think, for a lot of those ladies. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we do we have time about to talk about Houston moves, or do we got to get moving on, Baxter? Yeah, grab, yeah, talk about Houston really fast, and then we should get moving on. Yeah, I just think it's important because uh, the Dynamo are, are really uh, with Wilmer Cabrera, Cabrera down there. Uh, he's making some great moves. They just signed Machado as a, I believe, as maybe not as a DP, but uh, strong defender had played for Saprisa. Uh, he means business down there. They also signed um, Alex Ford. Him. Um, possibly playing up there with um, Manautes, who, who had a wonderful season last year, especially when they started to play him in August. He's their Colombian DP, didn't do much in 2015, but his 2016 was really nice. Surprising, uh, they are talking about bringing Cuba Torres back from yeah, his I loan out with uh, Cruz Azul. So you wonder under Cabrera, who uh, Torres did play under at Chivas USA, you wonder if, if Wilmer can maybe get him a little more motivated than any of the other Houston coaches could. So Houston trying to do their best to not be the cellar dweller this upcoming season. <laughs> yes, yep, you're absolutely right about that one. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think between the Houston and even the Dash as well, they just announced a new a couple of new signings right. recently. Um, I can't think of how to pronounce the last name of the gal they just signed out of South Africa, but they just signed arguably from what I've seen on on, on social media the best uh, South African player basically. Yeah, well, she's a center back. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say possibly one of the best center backs in the world. So huge, uh, huge work down there going on for both for both Houston clubs. You're absolutely right about that one. Right, we are going to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, as long as technology works in our favor, we'll be talking to Rob Stone of Fox Sports. Hang tight. You're listening to Two Up Front presented by Three Lions Pub. the Attention Era Media Studios here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan joining me remotely, not in the beautiful Attention Era Media Studios, but hopefully you'll be back here shortly at some point, uh, recovering from hernia surgery. But uh, you sound like you're doing pretty well, at least, Simon. But I know you're also an actor as well as a radio host, so <laughs> you could be acting much better than you actually are. What? Well, and let's face it, Vicodin is a beautiful thing. It really is, <laughs> from what I, from what I've heard. I mean, we've all seen uh, we've all seen the episodes of us as well too, so we know what Vicodin can yes. do for you. But uh, just, exactly. don't that, just don't go that on assignment, okay? <laughs> Absolutely not. No problem. Fair. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, we have our first guest joining us uh, on the shopfutsal.com, dot com. Colin Line. Uh, he is one of the many soccer analysts, but probably the most notable one uh, over at Fox Sports One or Fox Sports as a whole. It's Rob Stone, and he joins us on the shopfutsal.com. dot com. Colin Line, Rob, welcome back to. Two up front, sir. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, and happy holidays. Thank you, Rob. Happy holidays to you as well, too. Uh, some interesting buzz swarming around the world of U.S. soccer right now. Uh, everybody wants to know who Bruce Arena is going to call into the January camp. Rumor has it's going to be a lot of MLS players or guys in general that just haven't seen the national team either in a long time or for the first time. Uh, what have been your thoughts about some of the, the possible rumors of you know Juan Agadello, Sasha Klesch, and some of those other guys coming out about potential targets for Bruce Arena? Well, you know, one of the things that a U.S. national team head coach needs to do is increase the, the, the pool depth. And when you have that first camp ever under your watch, at least in his second term, uh, I think it's important to kind of set that tone that we are going to kind of throw our net wide and far and make sure we haven't missed anybody and make sure that if somebody deserves a second or a third chance uh, that they are given a fair look and to see how they fit in with how Bruce Arena is going to run things as well. So I, I got no problems with bringing back a, a, an old, a quote-unquote old talent like DeMarcus Beasley and bringing in some fresh young faces as well. I mean, that's what January camp has always been about. Find the guys that are available, the guys that have earned a call, the guys that need a look and a relook to see where they really kind of fit in big picture with qualifying, which fires back up in March. And, and that's the end-all, be-all, is to get to Russia. That's what Bruce was hired to do to straighten out and look we, we've seen in every sport when there's a coaching change some guys just don't work for other coaches and some guys do and it's important for that coach to kind of find his guys and for him to push out his mentality and let the team and the base and the pool know what he's really looking for so I expect a huge pool of players and, and it's going to be tough because you want to be able to manage and identify everybody and how it's going on through camp. So I think there's going to be a lot of onus on his assistant coaches and the staff that he collects for that January camp. And my guess is that he's going to have a pretty heavy staff beyond just his his normal assistant coaches that he's going to be grinding through the the daily uh, wear and tear of World Cup qualifying with. Yeah, Rob, he had mentioned uh, in his his Facebook Live uh, I guess you could call a presser that he did. He had mentioned Darlington Nagby. Uh, do you think that if if Darlington ends up in Celtic, like the rumors are saying, do you think that changes things, at least for this camp for Darlington? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, particularly when guys are newbies to European clubs, you need to let them stay with their European club and, and let them train and let them get acclimated so they can have success on the club level because you know more times than not, success at the club level, no matter where it is in the world, usually translates to the national team level. So you need to have your players taken care of on the club side so that they can represent the red, white, and blue to their fuller, fullest capacity. So if Darlington Agby does go to Celtic, and I'm not sure Portland really is in favor of that, then let him stay at Celtic uh, and, and get comfortable for that month. If not, get his tail to Southern California uh, and get ready for, for Bosnia and, and that second opponent before qualifying. Rob, I'm curious how many veterans we're going to see on this potential roster. I've been reading a couple of different articles from multiple sources, and we the, the questions about guys like Chris Wondolowski, Nick Romando, Kyle Beckerman, et cetera, et cetera. Do those guys have a place on this January roster, or is it all about discovering, as you said, some of those hidden talents or guys we haven't seen in a long time? You know, it, that's a good one because Bruce comes at this from a different perspective. A, he's already been in this job, but B, you know, he's been in MLS. He sees these guys. Exactly, yep. He knows, you know, the, the level that Beckerman is at. He knows what he can bring. So my guess is that there would be a, a good bunch of guys that he'll probably have a conversation with personally and say, guys, don't be offended. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know what you can do going forward. I just need to really look at these guys. Um, and, and, you know, the, those names are the guys that kind of fall into that category uh, in, in my mind. But, you know, in the end, with any team, you know, you're looking to rebuild. You're, you're looking for growth, and, and you want to bring up some, some young kids that can make you better. But it's that balance right now after two losses in qualifying. You know, we don't need to be better in six months. We need to be better by March. Exactly. So, you know, there's a little bit more... Uh, priority on these selections for the January camp. I, I, one other, one other follow-up to that as well. Is there anybody that's really lingering right now that the U.S. needs to worry about capping so they don't, you know, go somewhere else? Basically, I don't think we have any you know, of those issues, I, do we? That, that's that's always a kind of a constant conversation out there, and 
um, you know, the capping and the no capping. And, you know, look, Jurgen Klinsmann, I feel, capped a lot of guys that haven't really done a whole lot for our national team. And we went well out of our way and, and you know, uh, did a lot of political work and a lot of paperwork behind the scenes to get a couple guys capped that really haven't done much. And, you know, that's that's also international soccer, you know. Just yeah, because exactly. You're, you're capped and you have great pedigree doesn't mean you're automatically – you know, going to be a superstar for your national team. So I, I think that's a fine line. And my guess is, look, Bruce has been in this game long enough. He's got a real good idea of who his guys are for the next year and a half. And he also knows where his holes are in his roster. You know, Bruce Arena will give you his starting U.S. national team 11 now without hesitating. And then he'll <laughs> say, but if I can get this guy or, or Clint Dempsey is healthy, you know, uh, we're a little soft at this spot. I need to bring in this guy to take – to take a look, you know, I mean, you know, the fact that Demarcus Beasley is getting another call in fascinates me, um, and it, it tells you how weak we are at left back, and and certainly how weak uh, Bruce Arena thought we were at left back under Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, and follow up to that one, Rob. It's it's been a number of, number of years where we keep talking about the left back position. I think since uh, Steve Chirundolo perhaps played back there. What's the deal with what's the deal with that? Why is that always a problem spot? <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds like a Seinfeld episode, right? What is the deal with our left right. back position? And, and you're right. How, how, how difficult is it? Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little old school where I, I always felt like you can, you can make a good left back. Like, hey, you know what? You're a pretty darn good midfielder. Just tweak these little elements of yep. your game, and, and you're now our attacking left fullback. Um, I, I, don't understand, I don't understand the issues with it, and my guess is Bruce doesn't either. And he's probably sending a message to a lot of people saying, guys, DeMarcus Beasley can still play this role. Look, if, if he didn't think DeMarcus Beasley could play this role uh, or certainly be a wonderful attribute in the locker room going forward, he would not bother calling him into camp. Um, I don't understand why we can't find a guy. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to say Fabian Johnson is that guy, but then a lot of people want to see uh, Fabian playing left midfield and getting a little bit more into the attack. So is left is left back really the, that the that hard of a position? Then there's another that's going to complain. Yeah, I was just going to say, Rob, is left back really just that hard of a position to play that we just can't find a, a person to stand out there for ninety minutes <laughs> and not screw it is, up? Right? I, I didn't think so growing <laughs> up and playing through high school and college. You know, that's, yeah, that's where I started in in college my freshman year, and it was I think it was one of those situations where they looked at me and they said look the kid is good enough to be on the field but he weighs 135 pounds but for the west stick him out at left fullback he's not going to kill us and he may help us a, a couple times so i i don't understand why we were having so many challenges uh at that position because really that that is not the the centerpiece position that national teams are built around exactly yeah right, right through the right. spine right you know get your goalkeeper get your center backs get your central midfield your forward stuff lined up and then you work on the periphery outside um it, it's going to be a fascinating camp and I've, I've already really enjoyed the new bruce arena you know this little bit mellower um less sarcastic more accommodating uh bruce arena who i think has been kind of given a, a new lease on his coaching life i think he was kind of uh, burning the flame a little bit in la and and he needed this this boost this this change of scenery this new direction to go into and he has so much pride in this national program, and I've talked with him through the years about what had been going on through, through the, uh, the coaching reigns once he left. And, you know, he still cares deeply about this program because he really is kind of, you know, he's the godfather. He's the godfather, in my eyes, of the U.S. Men's National Team. Right? I just watched Old School <laughs> sure. the other night. Yep. I think I'm just going to start calling him the godfather. But, you know, he is. You know, he, he's on... You know, he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of American soccer. This guy has accomplished more than I think we, we give him credit for, probably because there's a lot of people out there who have been turned off by some of his, his, his personality traits. Um, but what he's accomplished for this sport in our country is, is nothing short of remarkable. You're absolutely right about that one. Well, Rob, we have to unfortunately let you roll for time constraints, but we appreciate you taking the time to uh, shed a little bit more light on the U.S. men's national team, and we uh, hope to do it again with you soon. You got it, guys. Have a great one. Thanks, Rob. You Thanks, as well. Rob. There goes Rob Stone on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. We're going to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, we will hopefully, as like we mentioned, today's been a technical adventure, but we hope to have Kansas City Commons defender uh, Brian Harris joining us on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more on Two Up Front right after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. From the Attention Era Media Studios, I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proban. All right, Simon Proban, as we roll along with the show, we want to, of course, take a moment to remind everybody that they can find us most uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays live from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time. We haven't nailed down our Christmas schedule yet, Simon, in terms of our New Year's. I think we're going to be on the air next week, but then we're going to take a week off. I think that's what we talked about. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> I'm not either. I thought it was the other way around, but, you know, that's what happens when half of the show is in surgery. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we uh, well, stay tuned on social media, Facebook and Twitter pages uh, for the official announcement, whatever we decide to, to end up doing, and uh, we'll make sure to get all the latest and greatest to upfrontness uh, to you as soon as we can. Uh, we're playing the waiting game right now with Brian Harris from the Kansas City Comets, so while we wait uh, for him, Lord willing, uh, he will be able to give us a call shortly. Uh, we do want to check in on the MASL. We don't talk about it a whole lot on the, on the show, but when we do, we focus mostly on the Milwaukee Wave. Uh, they find themselves in fourth place in the Central Division right now, Simon, at four and five. Uh, a negative one goal difference, but uh, it's it's always interesting to look at the goal difference for these teams because Kansas City's got a plus 20 goal difference right now and Milwaukee's got a negative one, but they're only a, a, a win away from each other, basically, or two wins, basically, at the same time. Right. Well, I think, I think what's the, the most amazing storyline so far this season, Baxter, was either the game against Chicago or the game against... St. Louis, again, pardon me for being out of the soccer news for a little bit here, but Ian Bennett had seven goals in one game Unbelievable. recently for the Milwaukee Wave. Of course, we've had Ian on the show before, too. Um, yeah, pretty pretty amazing. Whether you know, And we know the indoor game, there's a lot more goals, but still, for one player to, seven. to score that's... seven goals like <laughs> that is... The surprise of the season has actually been um, some of our good friends over at Cedar Rapids, the Cedar Rapids yeah. Rampage. You've got uh, Everton, the head... head player or head coach slash player um really doing a great job out there uh they every time i check in on them it seems like they've won another game so got to give an early congratulations to to that new club yeah, doing a lot of damage in the masl you're absolutely right about that yeah it's been a pleasure to just keep an eye on them throughout the season and and i think sometimes people forget that cedar rapids is is a newer team based off of how well they have been actually doing as well too i wanted to go back to your your ian bennett point there for a second simon he's got 23 goals this season that's absolutely incredible four assists from him um max ferdinand nine goals 14 assists to lead uh the wave in the assist categories but uh milwaukee as we heard from coach uh, giuliano oliviero before the season and right when the season began too they're trying to win now. They're not trying to rebuild and rebuild. You know, you heard Coach, you know, Giuliano. He's he's pretty frustrated. He's like, "Look, we have the team to do it. We just need to actually execute and win the games." Yeah, you do wonder. I mean, it's surprising that they are sitting there in fourth. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe um, they've lost to know, Cedar Rapids twice this season too. They have, yes, yes. And Cedar Rapids, I failed to mention this. They're they're in first place. They've only had two losses on the year back. Unbelievable. Um, but but when you have the the type of talent you do in Milwaukee, it is surprising to not only see them struggling a bit, but sitting at four and five, um, especially considering you've got a lot of Canadian indoor national team players or futsal players on this team. So you wouldn't think that gelling would be too difficult for these guys. Uh, Now, what I may mark it up to is that futsal without the boards and, of course, indoor with the boards. Yeah. They really are two different games. Um, you know, back in the days when, when my brothers were playing professionally, indoor soccer was still really where all the best American players went yeah. to play with those, you know, the few exceptions of, of the guys always on the national team. But uh, the indoor game was, was the place to be. And there's still some players, that, well, there's a lot of players, obviously, in this league that know how to use those walls. Um, and if, if you're not used to that, you know, those walls end up acting as a, as, as a, a sixth or seventh player on the field for you. <laughs> You're right, and I think that's why Ian Bennett has had so much success this season. I mean, he's the overall leader in the MASL with 10 power play goals, and he finds himself actually in third place for overall goals. Um, there's two different guys, uh, Christian Gutierrez and Frank Tayu, uh, that have 27 and 26 goals, respectively, above above Bennett. What I did find interesting, too, Simon, as much success as Cedar Rapids has had this season, their leading goal scorer only has 12 goals this season. Well, I think that speaks to how good of a team they actually are, though, Baxter, that they don't have that one player that they depend on. You know, they, 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 they get goals from all over the place, whereas, unlike the Wave, you know, if you shut down Ian Bennett, 
you shut down the Milwaukee Waves. It's true. Uh, where the Cedar Rapids Rampage, uh, for lack of a better term, you can replace who's ever, who's ever scoring the goals, you know. Um, I'm just looking here at the goals. Yeah, you've got Gordy Gerson with 12, Everton uh, Mariah with 9, Jonathan Santos with 3, Pablo Da Silva with 3. I mean, you go down the list, you got almost every, it seems, almost Everybody every player on this team has a goal, yeah. Um, so that's, I mean... That just speaks to the ability of the Rapids to to spread the goals around so that if one guy is having a tough time in the game, you know, other guys can step up. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that one, too. I mean, this is a team that has a plus nine goal difference. Uh, They're averaging about six goals for a game and only five goals against, which in the indoor game, five goals against is actually not too bad, to my knowledge. Correct. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see, uh, you know, how different the leagues are i think people i think the masl is kind of the forgotten league to an extent in american soccer uh, so many people are focused on mls and nwsl and even the younger leagues like the usl and the npsl that people forget that there is a very thriving indoor professional league that a lot of people actually really like yeah no it's true uh, you know i think a lot of it is just a matter of taste um, exactly just like in any sport you have your purists that they don't want to see they don't want to see this indoor game. Now, I grew up with it, um, so I still enjoy watching it. I mostly enjoy playing it. Um, but it is. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a different game. Um, obviously, it's a lot faster uh, than the outdoor game. But, you know, f- still for those casual fans who don't really get soccer, it's a cool thing for them to go out and see. At least they're watching some form of soccer being played is the way I look at it. Exactly, and I think that really is the big, uh, the big thing at the end of the day. All right, well, we have to run to another break, Simon, but when we come back, I actually do want to get your thoughts about Alex Morgan moving over to Lyon in France and how some people have said it's a good thing for NWSL and other people saying that it's an awful thing. So I actually want to get your thoughts about it uh, when we come back. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, we're going to run to a break. It's 2 Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay tuned for more. Attention Era Media Studios, it's two up front presented by Three Lines Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Uh, I talked about it on Tuesday a little bit while you were uh, busy being sliced and diced, oh, hopefully not that bad, on the, uh, on the operating table getting your hernia repaired, um, about Alex Morgan and her decision to go to France to play for Lyon. Uh, I, I made a, a comment on Tuesday saying that I actually was fine with the move. I don't think that it's actually, um, you know, I don't think she's making the wrong decision. I don't think it's malicious. I think she's got the right intentions about why she's going. But, the, I mean, people are forgetting that she's coming back, too, I think, to an extent. You, they see the move, and then they don't read the fine print, and they're like, will return in six months. Like, I think people are losing their minds a little bit about this more than they need to. But uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts about this move by Morgan at this point in I think the most surprising thing is, is just a few months ago she was talking about how she's not going to move to Lyon. Her her and her husband are happy down there. Of course, her husband with the Atlanta team. Uh, but, you know, it's not unusual to see sports figures saying, ah, I'm, I'm cool with where I'm at. You know, Nick Saban's a great example. I am not leaving the Miami Dolphins yeah. for Alabama. And then a week later, he's in Alabama. Um, and it's worked listen, out well for I, him, though. I, I do think, right, yeah. And, and I think this will work out well. Um, for Alex Morgan as well, you know, just reading articles Baxter and trying to look through everything that she's saying, I do take her at surface that this really is about stretching her game. 
look, the U.S. women's national team had a very disappointing Olympics. Um, and Agreed. the right the right way to change that is to say how can I how can each individual player make themselves better for the team? I, I think this is going to help her a great deal. Um, and it's not like she's permanent. Everybody's saying she's leaving the NWSL. You said it yourself. She's she's coming back. Um, I believe in June to yeah. You she's going to be back Orlando. in six months. She's going to have a vast majority of the NWSL season to still play. I, I, to make the comparison, and I know some folks are going to probably think this is ridiculous, but. Alex Morgan is basically doing what a vast majority of the NWSL is doing in the W League right now. That's all she's yeah, really doing. Right. Yeah, the only difference there is that she she won't be back for the start of the season and that's yes. where that's but here's the thing is the CBA uh for for the US Women's National Team is coming up uh you know the 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 negotiations. Yep. Well, they you could say they've been negotiating this for quite a while now. Um but those are coming up and until that's figured out, see, part I was reading on Yahoo Sports, so I got to make sure I give credit to to those who deserve it. Reading on Yahoo Sports about how uh, the women who play in the NWSL that are part of the national team, their contract obviously is with both entities, and they're expected to play the full season in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as there actually isn't a contract legally between the U.S. women's team and U.S. soccer. These women can do what they want. So I think she's seeing this as a window of opportunity that she's going to take advantage of. I now, think on top so, of yeah. that, On top of that, Baxter, uh, again, from Yahoo Sports, Megan Rapino, when she played over there, she was making $14,000 a month. Now, if you're Alex Morgan and you're looking at that kind of money, um, you say yes to it. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I don't exactly remember what I said on Tuesday, but I, I said something along the same lines of that. But then I was also kind of going after it because of the the issues we've had at the World Cup, as you mentioned as well, or not the World Cup, but the Olympics this last year, is Alex Morgan is still one of the marquee players that we have in women's soccer. And if she is not being pushed to the highest level, it's going to carry over to the national team. And I think by her going to Lyon for six months, it's not only going to make her a better player, but then when she comes back and plays with the national team and the NWSL, she's going to make everybody around her significantly a much better player. Right, and looking at this as far as fans being concerned, I get that. But the one entity that needs to be extremely concerned is the NWSL. I, you know, everybody gets it. They can't start paying players like we were talking about before seventy thousand dollars as a minimum salary. They go bankrupt. They go under. Um, but still, you know, if if you're looking at the maximum salary for a non-U.S. national team player in the NWSL, I think now is thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand dollars. Mm. You know, Alex Morgan can go and make that in three months now. Yeah, yeah, Leon. exactly. So, so you don't turn that down. But the reason the NWSL has got to be worried about this is if more and more players look at this and go, wait, I can make more money in France. I can make more money in England. I can make more money possibly in Australia. That's probably not true, but I'm just pulling countries out of my head. Yes, yeah. I don't know that I have decent leagues. You know, the NWSL is going to start seeing an exodus of players. That's where the main concern comes into play. And we had talked about that with Kim Little, too, when she went back to Arsenal, where you, uh, so many folks were saying, right. well, there goes arguably the best player in NWSL back to England. Now what do we have left? I was like, okay, everybody calm down, get off your ledge for a moment. There's still plenty of high-quality talent that on the international level playing here in NWSL. I, I, I think that, yeah, this move is actually going to do a lot of good in the long run, and I think people that um, are... Alex Morgan fans just need to take it down a notch for just a little bit. I mean, if you read uh, her open letter that she put in the Players' Tribune, um, she I think there's a great little clip here that I think that a lot of people need to focus on. You know, Morgan says, I have big goals. I want to be the best player in the United States, the best player in the world. She said, so as much as I love living and training and playing in Orlando, I've decided to take a huge risk and bet on myself. Right, and, and just for the record, Leon did not offer her husband a contract like she was hoping they would do. At least yes. that's that's what we know right now. So Yes, yeah, um, exactly. But, but overall, you know, do I have a problem with it? No. Um will it be uh will it be a bummer not to have her in the NWSL for the first few months of play? Yeah. Absolutely. Um but that's the reality of soccer and I never have a you know, I never have a problem when a player comes out and says, I, I would never have a problem if a player came out and said, I'm doing this for the money. Mm-hmm. Because, as again, the, sh- the the short lifespan of a professional athlete is just that. It's incredibly short. It so is. if you can if you can set your family up for life, go after that opportunity. When exactly. I was a kid, I never understood that. Oh, it should be about the love of the game. Well, there should be some love in there. 
But my goodness, if you have an opportunity, anybody else in any other profession has an opportunity to make a good chunk of change, uh, I would say 95% of people are going to say yes to it. And it's a business. I think that's really what a lot of people do forget about as much as people have to say, like you were saying, where's their love for the game? Why are they not dedicated to their team and their country? It's like, well, when you have the opportunity to go make a lot more money and, as you said, Simon, multiple times, set your family up for life, do it. Alex and her husband don't have any kids yet. You know, they're still doing their whole career thing. But eventually, Alex Morgan is going to retire. Eventually, they are going to have a family and they need to make sure from a financial perspective, from an adult perspective, that they have the right money to do so and, you know, not jeopardize themselves or their children's future. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, there are people can sit back and say, well, you know, you don't need that much money. Well, from our own personal perspective, sure, maybe not. But, uh, but we're not in those people's shoes. And who am I to judge somebody else for what they feel they need to set themselves up with? Yeah, no, you're absolutely you're absolutely correct about that one. I thought it was interesting too. Um, I'm in the process of trying to pull it up right now. But um, Backline Soccer did an article by Chelsea Bush, uh, a title called "The NWSL Doesn't Need Alex Morgan," which I thought was an interesting article that I'm hoping my my device will load as we continue to talk <laughs> aimlessly about things. Um, looking at the article, though, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting take because you look at Alex Morgan and people. You, basically, if you ask anybody to say, can you name one end up, one, one U.S. women's national team player, it's either Hope Solo or Alex Morgan, for the most part. And Carly Lloyd now is really made of, of sure. rightfully so, a big name for herself in, in non-soccer traditional focuses. But uh, I think that uh, I think that everything is going to be just fine, in all honesty. It's, I think that there is going to be a lot of people that need to branch out from the norm that is the U.S. women's national team and focus on the other teams. That's why one of the reasons I picked the Houston Dash as my team in NWSL, because they're not as U.S. women's national team heavy. Sure, they have Carly Lloyd, but that wasn't the main reason I chose the team to support. And you know, even for you, Simon, over at Portland as well, too, there are so many other players on that team that aren't either staples for the national team and or don't even play for the United States as well, too. Right. And yeah, exactly. Uh, I do find it interesting, too, though, that, of course, last season when the Orlando Pride came to town or when they were the visiting team and all of the other NWSL teams, um, three out of the seven teams that they visited, they had either the number one attendance for the season for that home team that season or the second highest. So, obviously, when Alex Morgan comes to town along with some of the other great players that Orlando has... People just want to really want to go see Alex Morgan, which I don't blame them for. If you think about no. it, no, yeah, and that's 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 the way you do get. Uh, that's that is one of the ways you create fans of your local team. They finally come out and see the product and go, "Hey, you know what? That was a good time. Let's let's go back next week." I mean, that's part of the David Beckham effect that he had. Yeah, you know, and of course, communities got upset in that first year when he was either injured or decided to go off and play with uh, who was it, AC Milan. Yep. You know, that now he's not showing up to games. People are really upset about that. But they at least got out to the games, and now you look at the attendance figures in MLS, and they're averaging over 21,000 fans. You know, exactly. that all started, really did. That all started with David Beckham. Yeah, and I, I would have to agree with you on that one. I think people need to realize that, yes, the, the names, of course, are important, but how many, how many soccer fans, lifelong soccer fans, are still around after their favorite players retired or right. you know, yep. stopped? Like, yep. if I would have stopped liking soccer after Taylor Twelman retired, who was my favorite player, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now, Simon. Like, that's just kind of the nature of it. Like, if, I, if people were so focused on the teams and or the players specifically, like, look at the product as a whole. Players are going to come and go as it is with everything that happens in life. But if you if you look at the whole product instead of just that one specific player, you realize that, oh, this is actually something that I can get behind and you support and you, you grow with the team, you know? I mean, how many, for instance, for the Green Bay Packers, for the NFL, how many Packer fans would still be around if they were like, I'm only going to be a Packer fan as long as Bart Starr or Brett Favre is the quarterback, you know? Like, it would be to- totally different oh, now that... Packers would have never survived the uh, the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. So it's, it's always interesting to see that people are like, oh, I really only support the team for this player. It's like, well, then you sure, need to kind of check sure. your priorities in all honesty. So Yeah, yep. 
All right, Simon, let's uh, let's run to another break. Uh, we will maybe look at some MLS stuff a little bit more when we come back. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts about that 94th-minute Liverpool dagger against your, your oh, beloved Everton oh. as well, too. Got to bring that up. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm curious. So we'll talk about that and uh, wrap things up as well after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us. back in the studio. It is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proban. All right, Simon Proban. I didn't mean to reopen your scars there from your hernia uh, by talking nice. about the, uh, the Liverpool dagger at the last moment, but uh, a 1-0 victory for Liverpool over Everton uh, this last week in the 94th minute uh, by Mane. Uh, take me through your, your thoughts and your reactions about that, uh, that unfortunate play there for Everton at the end. Well, yeah, just, you know, nice shot by the Liverpool player. Bounces off the post, goes right to Mane, who who puts it in. Um, Give credit to Mane for being there and doing what you're taught in Soccer 101, and that's to follow every single shot that's put on goal. Uh, Everton defense, though, to basically stand still, hoping that the ref calls an offside on that um, and, and not really tracking Mane at all off of that rebound uh, you also got to fault the Everton defense for not coming through you got to play to the uh, whistle that's right you got to play to the whistle um, but to let it let a player just run in like Mane did on that 94th minute goal inexcusable on Everton's part but at the same time like I said give Mane tons of credit for exactly. following through that shot and, and being hungry I, yeah. I don't know what's going on with Everton right now Baxter once again they have the players. I mean, they started off the season amazingly well. Yes. Uh, yep. Coleman, their their manager, you know, was really happy with what he was seeing. And now Everton is just in this funk for, once again, they're a mid-table club. And it's it's mind-boggling how this happens year after year. And I, I always wonder the same thing. I'm like, Everton is one of those teams that, that has the, the players, as you mentioned. They have, you know, the, the, the backing, the support. And now they find themselves in ninth place, which isn't the worst. It's still very... You know, a overcomeable spot, I guess. But sure, if you, you sure. look, a, you look a higher up the table though. In front of them, it's West Brom that's at the same, that's at twenty three with them. Southampton twenty four, and then you've got a six point jump to sixth place, which is Man United at thirty points, which has been kind of back and forth all season long. It, it's hard to really say as an Everton fan. Yes, I believe we will make it in the top four this season based off of these current results. Yeah, I, I I don't see them finishing the top four. Not if this run of form continues. You know, hopefully after the Christmas break, uh, which I know they don't get much of one in the uh, Premier League, but hopefully after Christmas break, maybe they get things a, a little bit more together. Yes, yeah, I'd have to you agree know, with the, you. The the person you got to be worried about right now is Bob Bradley Baxter. Swansea yeah. sitting in nineteenth. Um, you know, they had a good couple of wins under him. And it looked like, uh, let's see, I, I don't have it here, who they beat 3 nothing, But it looked like they were going to go on a decent run, but they're right back to their losing ways. He has no defense there. You do hope the club is fair to him and allows him to have the January transfer window. But I, I've heard, isn't it say, I, I've been hearing rumors, though, about that he's trying to either get Matt Beasler or Steve Birnbaum over there to help out uh, shore up his back line. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I, I've also heard rumors that the... Uh, that Swansea is talking to Kyle Robinson of the Vancouver Whitecaps to re- replace Bob Bradley. Already? My gosh. Yeah. Well, and that's that's been the case with Swansea. They used to be the club that 
they would give their managers time and, and you know it would be a club that would surprise a lot of people year after year ever since they they came up um from the second division but now uh it just seems like they their their biggest hobby is firing their managers well and that that to go along with that too there's been multiple articles posted over the last hour saying that bob bradley has accepted his swansea future may hinge on the next two matches which are against west ham and bournemouth well next two i would say the next one yeah Uh, i'm concerned for him should they lose their next match but you also wonder again if they don't give him that transfer window to at least work through that are you really giving this guy a fair shot and i would say no you're not because he's inherited this team um he's inherited a squad that is horrible yes you know you can you can say anybody should be able to go in there and fix things but okay let's look at manchester united right now they're still not the manchester united that you and i knew you know three or four years ago Oh, 100%. You know, they've been giving their managers almost at least an entire season. Even David Moyes lasted almost through a full year. (laughs) Um, But they've all at least had the opportunity to work through a transfer window Mm -hmm. and prove that if they get the players that they want within the budget the club's letting them have, they can possibly be successful. So I think it's unfair that you bring in this new guy um, and then not let him have at least one transfer window. So... You hope it is the next two games because that means you are into the January transfer window, but don't know. Exactly. That's always the hard part with a lot of this, and you'd like to hope that. I mean, he's played ten. He's gotten 10 matches with the team. You'd like to hope that they can give him a little bit more time. And I personally would like to see him get through January and see if he can make a couple of signings to whether or not he's kept the rest of the way, can at least provide players for Swansea down the stretch that they can at least get out of the relegation zone. Well, and they're actually, and that's the thing, they're not far off. They're sitting on 12 points. Crystal Palace is, is in 17th place with, uh, with 15 points. So, you know, they, they could work their way out of it with, with a couple of wins. Um, Crystal Palace is on negative four goal differential, where Swansea is uh, a horrible negative 17. So, obviously, Crystal Palace has that tiebreaker. Um, but, you know, they, Swansea did beat Sunderland 3-0, so you saw the hope there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully hopefully they can beat a couple more teams. I think it's funny that the English fans are going after him for having said PK and, and uh, road match. Uh, it just goes to show the, uh, I'm going to say it again, I've said this often, but the arrogance of the English supporters <laughs> to not allow a man to use uh, you know other terms other, other than what they use yes. for, uh, for this game of football. Yep, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, let's switch gears, Simon. Let's stay in Europe, but uh, go to somebody that is a United States men's national team player occasionally. It's Julian Green. Uh, yes. He, he's made a move, and you uh, you had a couple thoughts about that. Well, it's just interesting that he's he, Bayern Munich was, was talking him up quite a bit before the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, but he's really only made one appearance this year outside of league play. And, uh, well, he's, he's left Bayern Munich now and is with uh, second Bundesliga club Stuttgart, who is on the verge of gaining promotion back up to the Bundesliga. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. He basically he was very thankful for his time at Bayern. He was with them since he was 15. He's 21 now. But, uh, and, of course, there were a couple of loans in there. But, but he's at the point where he realizes he needs playing time. Um, exactly. So I, I, think, I think going to the second Bundesliga club is a good idea. We saw how it helped Bobby Wood. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it can do the same for Julian Green. Bobby Wood, by the way, a scoring machine, 20 goals in 2016 for uh, club and country when you add them all together. He's really just been a man on fire recently. He's gotten two goals in his last two games, and I think that I think people are forgetting uh, just how good Bobby Wood actually is. That was one thing that I've noticed the last couple of national team games that Wood has been a part of. He looks a lot stronger, a lot more confident when he's got yes. the ball at his feet. And he actually looks like he can go out and get up the field and do something with the ball, which the national team has struggled with at the forward position recently. Right. And and along with that, he's very important to his club because the club has been, uh, they're, they're sitting in the um, relegation zone over in the Bundesliga. Um, the last goal he scored was a game-winning goal. It was a beautiful goal, too. We made a nice run, basically put it upper 90, which I know the British fans would say, what are you talking about, upper 90? Anyways, he put it <laughs> top corner. beautiful, beautiful goal, upper 90. Um, so Bobby Wood is on fire, and you'd certainly like to uh, see his team stay up in the Bundesliga. But back to Julian Green, I'm interested to see if he gets playing time with Stuttgart and if that perhaps revives uh, 
him coming back to the U.S. national team and all, that would be one of my big questions for Bruce Arena. You know, are you going to look at players in lower leagues like Klinsman did? Mm. Or, or, or as part of your criteria, they got to be whatever country they're in, they got to be in the top league. Now, I, you know, knowing Bruce Arena's time, especially back in 2002, he had plenty of players that uh, played in the championship in England. Not necessarily in the Premier League. Yes. Um, so, so I think uh, I think Bruce isn't going to look at the second clause, our second divisions, and say, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to look at these players." Um, but, but I do know from his time with the U.S. national team, especially in 2006, he was he was looking more for those players to be able to play in the top leagues in whatever country they were in. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one too. It'll be curious to see, wh- you know, what this move does for Julian Green on a national team level, who hasn't really. He was able to come back and score two goals in uh, some of Klinsman's last, you know, few games there, basically before he was let go. Uh, I think Julian Green is still a young forward that has a lot to offer, but he just needs to be put in a position to really showcase his abilities. And when he's now put at the second division team, maybe that is a team that allows him to be more of a focal point, where at Bayern Munich you're trying to combine it with guys that make $100 million a year. Right, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You just just want to see if Julian Green can live up to the hype that he had coming in and and for the fight that Klinsman gave to get him capped for the U.S. national team. I mean, obviously... uh, Lowe was looking at him for the German national team, so yeah. there there does have to be something there. You'd like to think so, yeah. And we know that Jurgi Lowe is a guy that uh, is not a stranger to, to recruiting and developing young players right. into right. superstars, like you know Thomas Müller, just for an example. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but again, you know, we're talking about what was that? Now, when was the World Cup? Three years ago. Yeah, Almost three years. Yeah. Three years is a long time when you're talking professional sports and development. Exactly. I completely agree with you on that one. One other final note I think we should talk about, Simon, briefly, is the Chicago Fire. Uh, Nemana Nikolic from Liga Warsaw will be their new DP, according to multiple sources. The Chicago Fire last season just absolutely woeful, but an opportunity to hopefully turn the tables with this 28-year-old Hungarian uh, that has scored uh, a, a several goals, some you know here and there. No, he's he's scored a lot of goals over the last yeah 40, years. 41 goals in fifty six games in league play. That's an astounding goal scoring rate, Baxter. Incredible. And to have David Akam uh, in the midfield feeding him feeding uh, Namata Nikolic the ball, I, I think that brings. If you're a Fire fan, I think you're sitting back going, finally. We yeah. brought in somebody that can score goals and, and somebody who apparently really wants to be in Chicago. So I think this is a great move for Chicago. Uh, I think it shows Ponovic is serious about turning this club around. Um, and I, I really think that this is going to be a very exciting player to watch. I think so, too. And I think that the fact that they got him in his prime, he's only 28 years old. He's on the right side of 30, as my, people might say, is only going to sure. do better. It's a three-year contract as well for him. Uh, and sometimes that first season for those DP players sometimes is telling, sometimes is not. But giving him three years, I think, is going to be plenty of time for him to get the, the full grasp of what MLS actually is. Well, and on top of that, he's a Hungarian national team player. So, you know, he knows his stuff. He's, he's not just a great club player. He's, uh, he's a good international player as well. Exactly. I completely agree with you on that one as well. All right, Simon, as we wrap up the show, any final thoughts at all for us today, sir? Uh, just uh, just want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Simon. It's been a fun 2016, and I look forward to seeing what 2017 has in store for us. Absolutely, Baxter. All right. Merry Christmas to you, Simon, and all of your family. Merry Christmas to all of you, two upfront listeners as well. And uh, stay tuned to our Facebook and Twitter pages. We'll give you the official updates of uh, what we're going to do for our broadcast schedule the next two weeks. Uh, regardless, though, you can always catch us on demand by going to our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com. If you want to get through the holidays uh, and listen to some great soccer talk, that's the best way to do it. For Simon Provan, I'm Baxter Colbert. Merry Christmas from all of us. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Upfront. Also, you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.